Well, good morning, everybody, and very, very happy Easter to everybody out there. I hope you haven't eaten too many eggs and hot cross buns. But if you have, well, good luck to you. I've called today's message Good News, Not Good Advice. Now, at my advanced age, I now consider myself capable of dishing out good advice. And I've given my children very good advice over the years, like... Um, Never buy rugs, linen or cookware at full price. They are always on sale somewhere. Never cook a chicken that smells even the least bit dodgy. And never put a red-headed child in bright pink clothing. Now you know why my kids are so wise and well-adjusted. I wonder what's a great piece of advice you've been given over the years. But I want to talk not about good advice so much, but about good news. We don't hear a lot of it on the media. Wouldn't you love to see a whole program just dedicated to good news? But I've actually heard some good news, like um, the lockdown restrictions are now lifted. A friend's cancer scan has come back clear. Another friend was able to secure a job after months of looking. What's the difference between good advice and good news? Well, there's a huge difference. Advice is something you can choose to act upon or not. News? Well, it just is. Whether you act on it or not, good news is about something that happened. It just is. Now, some people see Christian faith as good advice, an option that they might take up if they feel so inclined. Maybe it's for them it's a new kind of spirituality, like you can follow the teachings of Buddha or Jesus, and, and both of them are wise teachers. Or maybe you could see it as a new way of living, like a Jesus-based morality, a do-unto-others type of, of advice, and, and there is wisdom in that. Maybe it's more about an insurance policy for the future. You know, if there is life after death, I want to get some good advice about how to end up in the good place. The message of Jesus does contain all of these things, spirituality, morality, and future planning. But to see Christianity as good advice for living is to totally miss the point of the Easter story. The message of Easter is not about a piece of advice that we may or may not want to pick up. Easter is news. Good, good news about something that has happened. And because it has happened, everything about our lives has, has changed. The world is now a different place from what it would have been if the events of Easter had not happened. If Jesus had been killed on a Roman cross and his body had decayed in the ground, we might be talking of him as we do Gandhi, a great man, an inspirational leader. Such a pity what happened to him. But at that first Easter, something happened in history that should cause us to adjust our lives around a new reality. The New Testament talks about the gospel of Jesus, and that word actually means good news. 
and it was in common usage in ancient times. How was it used? Well, perhaps we can get a little bit theatrical here. Let's say you lived in a small town in Roman times. It was always politically turbulent, always fights going on. The leadership of the empire was constantly changing as one faction fought another. Not much has changed, has it? You might be aware that a battle for power was going on because the soldiers were fighting in a field near your town and you sat in fearful anticipation until the outcome was decided. And then a Roman herald might turn up in your marketplace and he would open his scroll and he would proclaim, Hear ye, hear ye, this is the gospel, the good news. Tiberius is now the Lord of the Empire. You are now in his kingdom and you will give him your allegiance. I'm sure the people of that town could choose to give their allegiance or not. But the fact was that this was not good advice. It was good news. Well, given that Tiberius was a good guy. Something had happened. Something had changed. Tiberius was in charge and their whole future was altered. Let's bring this a little bit closer to home. Imagine you're living in a village in East Ukraine and your worst fears come to fruition. You can hear the missiles falling around your house. So you put on your jacket, grab some food and your water and your kids and, and you run into your basement and you lock the door and you sit and you tremble in fear. Do you need good advice? Well, maybe. Stay hidden. Keep the children quiet. Don't venture out during the day. Preserve your food and your water. The good advice might help, but what you are really praying for is good news. Now imagine that after three days of hiding and hoping, you hear a knock on the basement door. You freeze. You cover the mouths of your kids. You, you pull them close to keep them quiet. And then you hear the joyous voice of your neighbour. Our boys have done it. They've pushed the Russians back. The Ukrainian army is in charge and you are free. Everything is different. Hope is in the air. Your future has been altered. It's good news, not good advice. Now, with that picture in your mind, let's go back to the first Easter. On that first Friday, Christ's followers have witnessed his arrest, his trial, his torture, his cruel crucifixion and burial. This was a hit squad job to remove what the authorities thought was a dangerous sect and Christ's followers were hiding and carrying in fear that they would be arrested as well. Now, we're reading from the Gospel of Luke. 
chapter 24. Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Mary, Jesus' mother. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces. The men in white said to them, Why would you be looking for the living one in a tomb? He is not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The Son of Man is destined to be handed over to sinful men to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day he will rise again. All at once they remembered his words. Leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the eleven and to all the others of what they had seen and heard. And when the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense and they were unable to believe what they heard. But Peter jumped up and ran the entire distance to the tomb to see for himself. Stooping down, he looked inside and discovered it was empty. There was only a linen sheet lying there. Staggered by this, he walked away, wondering what it meant. And the Gospel of Luke then goes on to tell this incredible story about two, almost at the same time, two other disciples are walking down a road to Emmaus. They, they were leaving Jerusalem because they were afraid of the Romans. And while they're walking, this man suddenly appears to them and they start talking about the events of what they've been through. And this man starts to tell them, well, don't you know your scriptures? Don't you know that the Messiah had to suffer? And they were amazed at this man's um, knowledge and uh, profound insight into the scriptures. And, and they get to their home and, and this man goes to walk on and they say, hey, mate, why don't you come in and have a meal with us? So he comes in and then as he breaks the bread at the table, these two disciples realize it is Jesus himself they have been walking with. And then miraculously he disappears all those disciples they just get up out of their seat and they run back to Jerusalem <clears throat> and then Jesus appears again this is from verse 36 while they were still dis discussing all of this Jesus suddenly manifested right in front of their eyes startled and terrified the disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost Standing there among them, he said, Be at peace. I am the living God. Don't be afraid. Why would you be so frightened? Don't let doubt or fear enter your hearts, for I am. Come and gaze upon my pierced hands and feet. See for yourself, it is I standing here alive. Touch me and know that my wounds are real. See that I have a body of flesh and bone. He showed them his pierced hands and feet and let them touch his wounds. 
you know, the Bible eyewitness accounts are very clear that this is not just a ghostly spiritual resurrection, but a bodily one. The accounts don't talk about him shining like a star, like some ghost, but that people saw him as a real person. One of the women thought he was a gardener. The guys on the road to Emmaus, they just thought he was a man. He asks for food and he eats it. He challenges Thomas to touch him. He has risen in his physical body and yet there is something new, something miraculous. Jesus has been resurrected in a new kind of body and he is showing us what is in our future. He is himself, but he has been remade, recreated, renewed. This life that we live is not the end. He is showing us there is so much more. This is a foretaste of the whole new creation that is waiting for us. Our lives will continue. Our future has changed. This is good news. And when the disciples realised what had happened, their whole world changed. They were no longer cowering in hidden rooms. They were telling everyone who would listen. The good news about Jesus changed their life. It changed my life. It has changed the lives of millions of people. Many of us are crouched in basements of fear and anxiety, maybe even uncertainty. What will the future be for me and my family? What is going to happen to the world? Is there a, another world war on the horizon? Will climate change destroy our way of life? I've lost someone dear to me. Will I ever see them again? I can't seem to catch a break. I just keep getting knocked again and again. I don't know why I even exist. What is the purpose of life? It seems like we are born, we suffer, we die. I've done bad stuff. Stuff I'm ashamed of. Stuff I can't be forgiven for. I've permanently messed up my life. There is so much evil and destruction in this world it is overwhelming. The bad guys seem to be winning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the knock on our basement door. The resurrection announces to the universe, God has won. God is in control. He has enacted his rescue mission to show the world that we are loved, forgiven, accepted. God has defeated evil and death itself. God's kingdom is in charge of the future and that future is ultimately good. God is king so his will will prevail and that is good news because his will is peace, joy and love and not just any love, agape love, everlasting, sacrificial, unconditional. This is not good advice. This is good news, the most wonderful news. Jesus is alive and he is inviting us into this same life forever.
you know, Christ is not just offering people a new kind of torch so they can see better in the dark. And, you know, there are many well-meaning people who are trying to do that, help the world see better in the dark. Our good news is this. You don't even need your torches anymore. Just open your curtains. The sun has come up. Everything looks different in the daylight. In this world we see around us, all is not well. All is not right. We know that. But it will be. And Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God making it right. The good news being shouted into our basement is that God is a God of utter self-giving love. Listen to these verses. This is how we know love. He laid down his life for us. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice that would atone for our sins. We love because he first loved us. The son of God loved me and gave himself for me. This is how God demonstrates his own love for us. The Messiah died for us while we were still sinners. What God has done in Jesus is what he will complete at the end of time. The God of the cosmos is not blind chance or brute force, but love. Now, we don't talk a lot about what happens beyond death. But if ever there was a day to talk about it, it's today. Just this week, we had the funeral of a precious young father. There was such pain there, but such hope. I was driving home from that funeral and I saw a, a tradie ute in front of me that had this branding on it. I'm not sure if the driver knew what it was about or just thought it was a cool name for a business, but this eternity word is an iconic image. You might have uh, remember seeing it emblazoned on the Sydney Harbour Bridge uh, in the year 2000 celebrations. Briefly, the story behind that is that there was a man named Arthur Stace who lived in Sydney in the early 1900s. He was an alcoholic until he was radically saved. He heard a preacher one Sunday who said this, Eternity. Eternity. I wish I could sound or shout that word to everyone in the streets of Sydney. You've got to meet it. Where will you spend eternity? So Arthur felt compelled to do one thing with his life and he did it for 30 years. He would go out quietly and discreetly into the streets of Sydney during the dead of night and write this word in beautiful copper plate script, which was a miracle in himself, in itself because he was functionally illiterate and could barely write his own name. He wrote this word over 500,000 times. No one knew who he was. He was the original Banksy. For decades, Sydney siders would be walking to work and be confronted with this word. It's a challenge. This life is not all there is. It's just the blink of an eye compared to eternity. Arthur Stace knew 
there is good news. Jesus has opened a way to spend eternity with him. He said in Revelation, look at me. I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down and supper with you. If you are in some kind of bunker today, not sure about the future, I know you will never hear better news than that. Pope John Paul II said this, do not abandon yourself to despair. We are the Easter people and hallelujah is our song. Happy Easter, you bet it is.